though it is busy. I like driving around and seeing the lights. It's fun to see how some people decorate their yards. I was asking my wife about a house that's on Coffee Road, because I only drive by it in the daytime. In the daytime, it looks horrible. But she said at nighttime, it looks amazing. You probably know it's, it's on the right side if you're going down coffee and it has a million things. I was saying I need to drive by that house at nighttime so we can see it. I like the, the music at Christmas time. And we're thankful for all the special songs that people have been preparing and planning. What I don't like are the crowds when you go shopping. You know, I was at Walmart just yesterday. And I had to keep saying, excuse me, pardon me, trying to navigate my little cart around the store. Have you experienced that? Or even just some of the Christmas traffic gets pretty crazy sometimes. We live kind of near the mall, and there's a a definite uptick in people who are visiting that area right now. Busy time, but uh, Christmas is busy, but Black Friday is even worse. You ever try to go shopping on Black Friday? (laughs) I did that one time. There was one thing I wanted. I went and got it. Waited in a big, long line at this massive store. And I found what I wanted. But nowadays, I just like to look at the ads and imagine spending money. (laughs) Or maybe buy something online. And I, I don't go out in those crowds anymore. You know, there's... Just some crazy things happen on Black Friday. Have you seen those videos? I was going to show a video, but then I thought, this is just too violent. And, you know, there are all sorts of crazy things. People die sometimes. They get trampled on when the doors open. You've you've seen those news stories. There's nothing like Black, Black Friday to illustrate how corrupt and selfish humanity is. If you've ever seen any of these videos, I watched a video of these two ladies fighting over a box of, a, a, a boxed set of pots and pans. I could think of things to fight over, not that we should fight over things, but pots and pans don't come to the top of my list, <laughs> right? But they were wrestling in the, in the aisle, and the one lady ended up on the ground on her back, kind of bear-hugging this box, People coming to blows just over stuff. What happened to the happiest time of the year? Right? It's more like the greediest time. Is that what you said, Al? Yeah, the greediest time of the year. It's a time when we we give all these presents, but more of the time we're thinking, what am I going to get? At least that's the attitude that's so prevalent in our society, and we see it in our culture. And this time of the year reminds us of these things. But you know, you don't have to be in a fight on Black Friday to participate in the same selfish spirit. You know, when I went to go get my item on Black Friday, and, and I got in the store, I hurried. I didn't run, I didn't sprint through the aisles, but I hurried. Why did I hurry? Because I was wanting to look out for number one, right? If that camera still is there, I want it. 
and I want it for me, not for the other people. Right? That's the same selfish attitude. Right? I want the discount, and if that means me getting it over you getting it, then I'm going to walk faster than you. A subtle thing, but still the same attitude of selfishness. You know, the, the Apostle Paul warned us. He said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He said, But understand this, in the last days perilous times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, etc., etc., in the last days, if he only could have seen Black Friday, he might have ratcheted up his rhetoric even more. Notice this quote here from the writings of Ellen White, one of the founders of our church. Pretty powerful quote. She says there in the fourth volume of the Testimonies, selfishness is contrary to the spirit of Christianity. Selfishness and Christianity don't go together. It is altogether what? satanic in its nature and development. The spirit of selfishness that exists in us is a satanic spirit. It's pretty sobering words. But it's reality. I mean, the, the scripture reflects this very clearly. Isaiah 14, talking about the fall of Lucifer. What did he want? He wanted all these things for himself. I will set myself above. I will have the throne. I will be like the Most High. He wanted even God's throne for himself. A selfish spirit is a satanic spirit. And that should cause us to really think about our own hearts and lives very seriously. Now there's a difference between selfishness and appropriate self-care. It's not selfish to want sleep. Amen? <laughs> right? It's not selfish to take a break and to get your rest, to go on a vacation. It's not selfish to take care of yourself so that you don't burn out. You know, in ministry, this is something I have to deal with and you no doubt have to deal with it in your own life. We could help people 24-7 and there still would be more people who need to be helped, right? And, and if we do that 24-7, we're going to burn out and, and give up on helping people, and then we'll be no good to anybody. So I'm not talking about proper self-care. We're talking about the spirit of selfishness, and I think you probably know the difference. Am I right? For the most part, we know when we are being selfish. So selfishness is contrary to Christianity, altogether satanic in its nature and development. But notice this. Counsel to the, church, to the church, page 272. The principle of worldlings is to what? Get, get. You know, worldliness and selfishness go together. You see that in the writings of Ellen White. You see that exemplified in the examples of the Bible. The principle of worldlings, people who are just in the world and not following after God, they just want to get, get, and thus they expect to secure happiness, but carried out in all its bearings, the fruit is what? Misery 
and death. Sure, you may get a discounted TV on Black Friday. Sure, you may get all of these things. But if selfishness is allowed to rule in your heart, in the end, it results in misery and in death. Get, get. That's the spirit of our world. That's the spirit of our society. We see it in the song lyrics. We see it in the movies. We see it in our culture. And if we're honest, unfortunately, a lot of times we see it in our own lives. Get, get. There's a bigger piece of pumpkin pie at potluck. I want that piece for me. Get, get. All right, can we be real this morning? Right? Selfishness manifests itself in really small ways and in really big ways. I don't have the opportunity to be selfish like some of the really rich people in the world. So I use my opportunity in smaller ways, right? I can't be a selfish CEO and hog all the money for myself because I'm not a CEO, right? Actually, I am the CEO of the preschool, technically. <laughs> but I don't get paid for that, right? It was a technicality for the state. I mean, to fulfill the state requirements to run a good institution. I said just last week at board meeting, we need to run everything by the book at this preschool, especially with me as CEO. <laughs> I don't want any trouble. <laughs> so get, get. Principle of worldliness. Principle of selfishness. But contrast this with the spirit of heaven. The spirit of what does it say there? Liberality. You know, heaven's liberal. Not politically. Liberal in its giving. Amen? Generosity. The spirit of liberality, of generosity, of giving is the spirit of heaven. Christ's self-sacrificing love is revealed upon the cross that man might be saved. He gave how much? He gave all, and then what did he give? Then he gave himself. Everything he could possibly give, and then he gave even himself. The cross of Christ appeals to the benevolence of every follower of the blessed Savior. The principle there illustrated is what? Give, give. This carried out in actual benevolence and good works is the true fruit of the Christian life. Powerful words there. You want to know if Christianity is taking root in your heart? Look at your giving. We're not just talking financially here. We're talking about giving in all aspects giving of your time, giving of your talent, giving of your resources. The true fruit of Christianity is manifested in how we give. The principle is give, give. So what's the spirit of worldliness summed up in two words? Get, get. And the spirit of heaven summed up in these two words is what? Give, give. Hence, our sermon title for today. So what are we going to be? You know, I wanted to take a brief look this morning. It's actually a little bit more than brief. I wanted to take a look this morning 
at what God has actually given us. If I were to ask you, what has God given us? You probably would say something like, everything. And you'd be right. But what's specific? Specifically what? In everything. He's given us everything himself. We're going to take a look at it here. So I just went through the scriptures this week. I had some fun. I looked at many of the places, not every place, because there are over 2,000 places the word give is used. And certainly we see giving in other places where the word give is not used. But I went through the scriptures looking at the gifts of God. And I have a sample, which means it's not all of them, just a sample to remind you this morning, what has God given us? What has God given us? Well, the very first mention of the word give, Natan in Hebrew. Natan, Nathan, uh, the name means gift or something equivalent, or Nathaniel, gift of God. Uh, the very first mention with the word Natan, Genesis 1.17, God put stars in the sky to give what? To give light. So when you see the stars at night, you can say, thanks God for the gift of the light from these stars. But the very first gift that he gave specifically to hum humanity, any guesses what that gift was? Yeah, now I guess I should qualify this. I am talking about the word give as it's mentioned in the Bible. Um, obviously God gave us life. That would be the first gift. But check out this. Genesis 129, he gave them all of the fruit and the seeds and the, the vegetables, etc. He gave us food. Now, you know what the first human-to-human -human gift was? Okay. Now, again, we could, we could think about it, and, and you're right. The, the rib that was given, or was it taken? Uh, he... There, there's another, there's a sermon right there. Okay, so the very first human-to-human -human gift was also food, but it was a gift of forbidden food, right? First time the, the word give from God to us is food. First time humans are giving to each other. Using the word give in the Bible, it's the food they weren't supposed to eat. Uh, and then Adam accused God of giving him the woman. The gift you gave me, God, it's your fault. You gave it. Hmm. Lot to think about there. Okay? What has God given us? God promised to give Abraham, Abram, land and offspring. What a great gift that was. Okay, second human-to-human -human gift in the Bible as it is defined by the word give in scripture. Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, the, the priest and the king. And notice in Deuteronomy 16, 17, every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord, your God, that he has given you. When we give, it's always in response to what has already been given to us, right? So we give a tithe, we give offering, hopefully we give to the local church offering, but we do that because God has already blessed us. He says, I've given you everything. And we give a small portion back in response. What has God given us? Just a, a brief survey of the Old Testament here. I love this passage, Psalm 127, verse 2. 
It says, it is vain for you to rise up early and to be anxious about all these things because the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Basically, it's saying some people are trying to solve all their problems themselves by working themselves to death when you could entrust your problems to God and he wants to give you sleep. The promise of a Messiah without singing in your mind, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child has been born, unto us a son is given. You're welcome. Isaiah 42, verse 5, I love this verse. Thus says the Lord God, or God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. Our universe is expanding, by the way. Interesting side note. Who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives what? Breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. God has given us life in everything that's involved. Isaiah 50, verse 4. This is a messianic prophecy, but it's something we can also claim in our own life. The Spirit of the Lord has given me the instructed tongue that I might speak a word in season to him who is weary. Do you need an instructed tongue wisdom to know what to say in your life? That's a gift that God can and will give to you. What has God given us? Moving into the New Testament, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Not just sleep, but rest in your life. Exploring, just reminding ourselves, what has God given us? He's given us rest. Jesus told a woman at the well in John 4, you could have asked me if you knew the gift of God, and I would have given you living water. Water that satisfies, an experience of salvation that satisfies. John 6, Jesus said, God wants to give us the living bread, the food that's eternal. After Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13, he said, see, I have given you an example. Not only in that moment was he giving us an example, but in his whole life. He was giving us an example. What has God given us? He's given us so much. He gave us a new commandment. He said, by the way, love each other. Love each other. What has God given us? John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, another Helper. Remember that Sabbath school quarterly we had on the, the Holy Spirit recently? Super good stuff. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give. The gifts of God are far better than the gifts that we people of the world give. Do you want peace? Accept the gift of peace from Jesus. Jesus said, speaking in his prayer to his Father, that I have given them your word. We have the Bible today. We have the, the teachings of Jesus because they were gifted to us by our God. Of course, as you get into the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 12 and in other places, we see spiritual gifts. All believers get spiritual gifts. 
In the past, our church has done a spiritual gifts inventory, and maybe we'll do one again in the future. Gifts like wisdom, or faith, or teaching, or healing, or tongues, or prophesy, sighing, or leadership, helpfulness, etc. That's a gift, the gift of helps. Are you helpful? Maybe that's one of your gifts. What has God given us? He's given us so much. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who needs victory in here? Every single one of us needs victory. That's a gift that God has given us. Are you getting the picture that God is a giving God? By the way, if you read Deuteronomy, you see over and over and over again that God is giving them, giving them the land that I am giving you. It's just, in my search, I was amazed. It kept going on and on and on in Deuteronomy. God was showing them that he was a giving God, a loving God. 2 Corinthians 5.18, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Something that happens between us and heaven, but a gift that also he wants to have happen between us, between one another. He's given us eternal comfort and good hope in 2 Thessalonians. By the way, if you don't catch all of these, I can find a way to get you uh, these slides or something. Just ask me about it afterward. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but instead, he's given us a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. Who needs that in their life? Do you need more love? you need more power and more self-control? James chapter 1, verse 5. Wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives, again, there's that L word, liberally and without reproach. God gives freely, generously wisdom if we ask for it. In fact, why don't you turn to the book of James because we have another one in James I put these on the screen today because I realized there are just so many verses, it's going to take three hours if we look them all up. Or something like that. Going to the book of James, and we're going to go to chapter 2. Make that chapter 1. End of chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 17. I'll give you just another moment to turn there. Are you there? James chapter 1 verse 17. What's it say there? It says, Every good... And what kind of gift? Perfect gift. Where does it come from? From above, from the Father of lights, the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change, in my Bible, like shifting shadows, with whom whom there is no turning, no variance or turning. You have a good gift in your life? If it's a good and perfect gift, it came from God. What's the spirit of heaven again? Give, give. Liberality. Give, give. What's the spirit of the world? Get, get. Every good and perfect gift. 
James 4, 6, the Bible says that he gives more grace. When you need grace, he gives you grace. When you need more grace, he gives more grace. What has God given us? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we may be called the sons and the daughters of God. A love that makes us feel welcome and adopted into the family of God. 1 John 5.11 He's given us eternal life and that life is in Jesus Christ. What has God given us? Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, and he gave to us. He wanted to show us the future, so he gave us these things. Revelation 2, crown of life. He's given us hidden manna, or will give us hidden manna. The overcomer gets a new name, authority over the nations, and the morning star. Want to know what those things are? Spend some time studying them out. Talk to me later. This is an awesome gift. Revelation 3.21. He wants to give those who overcome, those who accept his victory, a seat next to him on his throne. Isn't that awesome? To sit at the control center of the universe next to the maker of the universe. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get my turn but we'll have eternity in heaven, so no need to worry about time. Sitting on the throne next to God. It's amazing. The last gift in the Bible, the last word, give, the time it's used last, it says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come, receive water from the spring of life freely. Again, reminding us God is a God of giving and his gifts are free. You getting the picture here? Is that helpful to be reminded of some of the things? Not all. You can go home and find more things that God has given us. But you know, the greatest gift, we'll come back to some of these verses, the greatest gift is the one mentioned there in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. His response of love is to give. And that greatest gift is the gift of his son. Jesus gave himself. It wasn't just God giving him away. Jesus gave himself. You can look up all those verses where it says Christ gave himself. He gave himself. Five times in the New Testament scriptures it says Jesus gave himself for us. Notice this from the book, God's Amazing Grace. The gift of God to man is beyond all human computation. No computer can understand this gift. Nothing was withheld. How much was withheld? Nothing. Nothing. That's, that's a perfect gift. God would not permit it to be said that he could have done more or revealed to humanity a greater measure of love. In the gift of Christ, he gave all heaven. Isn't that awesome? He gave everything. He put it all on the table and he gave it all for us. Notice this in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. In other words, since he gave everything, 
He gave his son the most valuable thing he could give. What's to stop God from giving us anything else that we truly need? Gave us all things. So the question I have this morning, as we've seen a survey, a brief survey of the giving of God in the Bible, what is our response? How do we respond to this gift? To all these gifts? Check this out. The light of the gospel shining from the cross of Christ rebukes what? Selfishness. Selfishness. And encourages liberality, encourages giving and benevolence. It should not be lamented, a lamented fact that there are increasing calls to give, for God and his providence is calling his people out of their limited sphere of action to enter upon greater enterprises. Don't whine because there are needs to give to. Because God has some good plans. Unlimited effort is demanded at this time when moral darkness is covering the world. Many of God's people are in danger of being ensnared by worldliness and covetousness. They're in danger of the get-get mentality. So what does God do? He gives us opportunities to give and kick us out of that get-get mentality. They should understand that it's the mercy of God that multiply the demands for their means. God in his mercy allows us to need to have to give. Objects that call benevolence into action must be placed before them or they cannot pattern after the, great, after the character of the great exemplar. This was kind of a long quote, so let me break it down for us. Thinking about the cross and all of God's gifts does one thing. First of all, it rebukes our selfishness. When we see that God has given everything, we say, whoa, I should probably start giving too. That's why it's so important for us to think about Jesus and what he's done for us. It rebukes our selfishness, and it encourages us to be generous and giving people in our own lives, and it encourages kindness, benevolence. God allows us for, to have a need to give. He allows us to come in contact with needs in our world, needs in our church, needs in our society, because he realizes we're in danger of the get-get mentality in life. And we know that that's satanic. We know that's a trap of the devil. So it's to keep us from being ensnared by worldliness and covetousness, and to make our characters more like his, turning our get-get into a give-give. You know what Jesus' last parable was? The very last one. There are over 60 parables that he told. His very last one is in Matthew chapter 25, and I'll, I'll put it up here on the screen. It's Matthew 25, two groups in the last days. Do you remember what those groups were? The sheep and the goats. Two two. Two groups. In the last days, his last parable, sheep and the goats. And what was it that separated, divided the sheep from the goats? It was around the issue of giving. Notice this here. For I was hungry, and you did what? You gave me food. This is his explanation for why they're a sheep. Because when they saw a need, they said, I got to do something. You gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Do you think Jesus cares about giving? Absolutely, because giving reveals what's happened in our heart. Have we looked at the cross and been transformed by the giving nature of God? 
or are we still in the get-get mindset? If we're in the get-get mindset, we'll be like the goats who say, Lord, when did we see you naked, hungry, in need? Jesus will say, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. There's a bigger blessing when we give than when we receive. So what can we give? We're going to start to wrap it up here. What are some practical ways to take this sermon, put wheels on it, and roll it out into your life today and this week? Well, we've already mentioned this. You can give time. Time's free. Although time, for some, equals money. But time is something you can do. Today, you can call somebody who needs encouragement. Maybe somebody who's sick, somebody who couldn't be here today, or a friend or a family member. Call them up. Call. Talk to them. Spend time truly listening. Actual listening is really hard to do. You can give the gift of not saying anything and listen deeply as they talk to you, either in person or on the phone or chat with them on the internet. Do something. Give some of your time. Give your talent. You know, we want more people involved in what happens here at the church. Everybody has a talent. Tell us what your talent is and we'll find a way to put your talent to use for God. Or volunteer at your school. Volunteer somewhere. Help your neighbors out. Do something in our community. Everybody can do something. And of course, treasure. Treasure. Not only for the church, not only for our our budget, but, but there are other needs in our world. Find ways to give of your treasure. You know, thanks to some of your gifts already, the Pathfinders tomorrow are going to the prison to give gifts to kids whose mostly fathers uh, are in prison. Uh, and talk to Peggy. There may still be opportunity to give, go shopping after sundown tonight and give some more gifts because it's more blessed to give than to receive. So I don't know how God's calling you to give. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with your talent. Perhaps it's with your treasure. But I do know there is a huge blessing in giving. When I was a little boy, I was about your age, my mom found out that there were some people that she knew that needed some help. They weren't going to have a a nice holiday season because they just were so poor. So she took us kids to the store and we picked out some presents for them. We had so much fun doing it. You think that they liked, you know, they got a kid this year, you know, a boy, he's this many years old. And Do you think, John, do you think if you were getting that, would you like that? Oh, yeah, I'd like that gift, Mom. Or no, not so much this one, that one. We had so much fun. Got the gifts, and we bought them. And then we took them secretly. And this made it even more fun. Secretly. My mom put them in a nice basket all wrapped up, and after the cover, uh, under the cover of darkness, after the sun had gone down, we drove down their street, and we parked the car a little ways from their house, and we took the basket, and we put it on their front doorstep, and we rang the doorbell, and then we ran like crazy, hopped in the car, and drove away. Another time, we, we had to, like, put it in their car because of the way their house was situated. And then the light came on, and we're like, oh, no, we're going to be seen. It was so much fun. As a young boy, I learned, boy, giving is so much fun. 
So find ways to participate in the spirit of heaven today and especially during this holiday season, but really during all parts of the year. Give, give. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, except for your generosity and your gifts, none of us would be here today. I pray that we can cultivate a greater sense of gratitude for what you've done for us. Take our hardened and selfish hearts and soften them. Make them like yours. Give us the new heart you talk about in Scripture. And give us opportunities today, we pray, to give. In Jesus' name, amen.